Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello everyone, I'm Jamie with homeschool.com and I want to welcome you to our new series entitled You Can Homeschool High School. We're revisiting the most frequently asked questions about homeschooling high school and it's all because we've completely updated our high school section on homeschool.com. It's now jam-packed with ebooks, guides, tools, and printables, all created with you in mind. But before we get started, I'd like to introduce our guest today. We're so excited to have Leanne Garfias join us. Hi, Leanne. It's great to be here, Jamie, talking about my favorite subject. Yay! Yes, definitely an important subject. But Leanne, is the, she's an author of several books. She's a homeschool mom of six, which is awesome. <laughs> and you can find out more about her at lagarfias.com. Leanne, would you take a minute and share with us how you started homeschooling and any passion projects and things that you have in the works right now? Thanks, Jamie. It is so great to be here. I started off as a homeschooler myself back in the late 80s and early 90s when homeschooling was not big. We were actually underground because um, homeschooling was not very legal in the state I was in, in Michigan. And you had to be careful not to let anyone know you were homeschooled because home uh, children were being taken away from their parents and parents put in jail for it. And now homeschooling is so different. You know, homeschoolers in your neighborhood, you probably have thought about homeschooling yourself if you're in public school or you are homeschooling and it's a huge movement. So it's really exciting how much that has changed. When I became a parent, I didn't want to homeschool because again, back when I was a student, it was so much work. It seemed to take over the mother's life because there weren't very many resources. There wasn't a lot of support. It was really hard to get curriculum. The teacher's manuals were not as thorough as they are now. So it took hours of studying, hours of grading. And um, a lot of parents, including mine, didn't have um, the training or the support to be able to teach in a homeschool manner. They were still teaching in a school way. So that takes a lot more time if you're trying to replicate a school at home. So I saw how much effort, how much work that was for my parents. And I, <laughs> I said, this is so funny, Jamie. I said, I do not want to be identified as a homeschooler for the rest of my life, <laughs> which is ironic because now I am a quote unquote homeschool expert. I've homeschooled for over two decades. My kids are only homeschooled. I write on homeschooling. It's hilarious. But when I was a young adult, that was not really, that wasn't my plan for life. But when my son, my oldest, was ready for preschool, we lived right next door to a great preschool. It was actually in a church. We lived in a parsonage. And the church that my husband and I ministered in had their own Christian school. So I 
obviously assumed my children would go there. But my husband said, no, I want you to homeschool them. And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I am not going to go through that. So he said, well, why don't we try it for only one year? And this is like the death sentence for homeschoolers. Everybody knows you get addicted after what you call only one year. And that's what happened to me. It was only preschool. So I thought, well, what can it hurt? It's not, it doesn't really count. (laughs) But as I started to teach him his letters and he started putting those together in words. And as we sat down on the floor and used math toys and worked on sorting shapes and, and making patterns, I realized I wanted those first moments. It was as magical for me as watching a toddler take his first steps. I was there when he read his first word. And um, I didn't want to give that up. I loved those moments with him. And I loved how over these learning moments, we were bonding in a different way. There was like this intellectual bonding and this heart bonding as we began to love learning together. Not so much me teaching him, but learning together about how to enjoy our learning, how to enjoy these subjects. So that's when I began. He began um, when he was three years old. I started a little bit early. I don't recommend. Don't do what I did. But again, I grew up where they were um, replicating school at home. So I thought that's how I had to learn. So I've been teaching for over two decades now, my kids. And our, our homeschooling has just evolved so much, Jamie. We're, I am teaching so much differently now and using much different materials and a different rhythm to our day and to our learning. Um, but I still have that same, that same delight. I'm there when they overcome those hurdles. And when we get to those really bad times when you just want to throw away the textbooks and bash your head against the table... I'm there in the struggle with them. It becomes a team effort. And then when we get past it, it's a team celebration. And I'm really just loving that journey. And that's why I love working with homeschool moms. I love talking with them. I love encouraging them. I love passing along information to them. And that's how I got started writing my first two books, Homeschool Made Easy and Homeschool High School Made Easy, because I saw how complicated, just like I made homeschooling so complicated for so many years, a lot of parents still complicating their um, life and thinking that there needs to be so much more busy work, there needs to be so much more more schedule or routine, there needs to be so much more um struggle or emphasis on the academics in each subject that they don't need. So I wanted to help them simplify life. And after that, I said, do you know what? In the homeschool moms that I talked to and encouraged, I felt like the two things that made moms leave homeschooling where they didn't have the information easily available to, to get the help they need. And you understand that from helping moms on your website, but also, and then they needed the encouragement to understand, yes, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad months. You might even have a bad year, but you can continue on because you're helping your parents, your children, you're making a difference. You're homeschooling for more than just learning how to write an essay. You're doing so much more. 
And that's why I wrote this, um, this all-encompassing reference manual for homeschool parents. It's nearly 600 pages covering everything you need to know developmentally, academically, educationally, how to be a good teacher, all the different ways that research, research shows your children learn, how to um, identify special learning difficulties, just every question you would ever have about homeschooling. Finally, all in one place. I was really excited about that. So my next passion projects are helping parents give that same in-depth education about their beliefs. So I'm excited to be working on um, a family Bible study program that's going to help them um, be able to impart their beliefs because no matter where, where you are spiritually, every parent wants to be able to pass on their values to their children. And I want to be able to help Christian parents do that. And also another passion project of mine is learning because I've been able to talk with researchers about the different ideas. There's over 72 different theories about how we learn. And I really enjoyed learning about learning. And I want to be able to pass on some of the best information easily understood to parents so they can, again, make their homeschooling easier. So that's really my passion, giving the information and encouragement parents need to continue their education. Absolutely. And what a wonderful passion to have because you're not just doing this, you are helping other people. And I appreciate that. That's what it's about. Yep. (laughs) So hasn't all this homeschool growth been exciting? I mean, I'm sure you felt it on your website and with your podcast and all that that you're working on. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, there were. Jamie, um, just a couple of years ago, 5% of, of children in America were homeschooled. There was about 2 million of them. Yep. And in 2020 alone, that doubled. Now more children are hands-on, not distance learning, but actually being homeschooled in the traditional sense, more of them than are enrolled in private schools. And that has continued to grow in 2021 as parents realize that they can simplify their child's education even more than distance learning. Instead of having to sit in front of a computer for hours and their eyes glaze over and then not get their questions answered, Mm -hmm. instead they could spend two or three hours tops every day, learn just what they need to learn, get their questions answered and their help they need, and move on to the more important things, which is living their life, learning through play, learning through um, problem solving, which is really how they grow. So parents are getting excited about that as they start to learn that they can make their child's distance learning so much easier. I said, even before quarantine, I've said for years that online learning is the gateway drug to homeschooling. (laughs) Once parents have their children at home, they can observe how this learning is taking place. And then they can start to say, wait a minute, I think I could make this a little bit easier if I'm doing it myself. And they can, if they can just take those first steps and get started. Absolutely. I agree completely. It's a great place to start, simple way. But I've also found that several of my homeschooling friends 
have children that are about to go into high school. They're in middle school and they've been asking me some pretty pointed questions about how to prepare their children, their, their kids for high school. And so I wanted us to chat about that today. I feel like it's um, a demographic, a group of children that sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. Sometimes we don't talk about them as much as we should. And I'm sure parents uh, who have middle school children are really wishing there was more conversation going about that. So I really um, just want you to share today about um, just tips and advice for homeschooling middle schoolers and even how we can help them get ready to be a high school student. You're so right that it's an important time. There are even some parents who have this idea to just skip middle school entirely to go right from uh, fifth or sixth grade into high school studies because they say, well, everything in middle school is just uh, repeated again in high school. But that's a huge mistake. For one thing, that premise is wrong. Everything in high school is looked at differently and more in depth than middle school. You're skipping an important step that children will need in order to get up there. And we'll talk about that in a second. But more importantly, there is just developmentally not the brain power that they need for that in-depth learning in high school before they've gone through puberty for a little bit. We don't expect a child in first grade to do long division. We're not going to push that on them because we know they don't have the ability, they don't have the comprehension, or even more to the point, if they start writing sentences in first or second grade, we don't say, okay, now you should write a three-paragraph essay. No, we understand they don't have that ability. They're not ready physically and mentally to sit down and write that long. Well, the same thing is true in middle school. There is so much brain development and it happens at different times for different children, just like their physical growth or emotional growth happens at different rates. And just like they learn to walk at different times, they learn to talk at different rates. Sometimes they'll, you know, speaking complete sentences really early and soon after they start saying words. And then some children like um, my middle child hardly said anything for his first year and a half. And my pediatrician thought there was something wrong (laughs) with him. And then all of a sudden he just went right to complete sentences. He never, he never babbled really like um, children usually do. And the same thing we see this, In our children, if we have more than one child, we recognize their early growth is so different. Well, the same thing is true in middle school. They're going through changes at different rates and different times. And we can't say, okay, when they're 12 year old, they're going to be ready for this academically. When they're 14 years old, they're going to be ready for this. It doesn't happen that way for every child. And that is why middle school is so important. It's this middle time, literally, that we're allowing our child to develop past the basics of elementary school. We're getting them ready to go into that depth and detail of high school, but we're giving their brains and their bodies time to catch up. And we're giving them gradually, little by little, more um, difficult things, more detailed things as they're growing, just to prepare them for that stage. 
So I personally think middle school might be our most important time of homeschooling. This is when we really shine as an educational philosophy because we're tailoring our education to our child's growth. They're going to be at different levels from grammar to math to science to history, depending on their maturity, how, not just whether or not they can diagram sentences yet and whether or not they can solve for unknowns yet. But even more importantly, are they mature enough to apply the scientific method? Are they mature enough to understand the reasons for this battle or how it will change history in other countries? Do they have this maturity to understand things? So that's why these middle school years are so important. And I really encourage parents, if your child isn't ready yet, middle school is the perfect time to add an extra year or two to your child's education. There's no rush, just like any other part of homeschooling, there's no rush to graduate your child at 18 or 19. Because when they go into the workforce, or even when they go into college, no one is going to question the date that they graduate or care what age they were when they finally finished high school. So allowing our children again to go through that at their own rate ensures they actually get an education. And that's why we're homeschooling, not to move our children along like they would be maybe in a public school moved along past their their comprehension, but instead to actually make sure they're learning. So going back to this concept of growing during middle school, that means Um, making sure we're giving plenty of time for puberty because puberty is more than boys thinking and girls learning how to use a pad. It's actually more about um, allowing them to get through some of this physical awkwardness and work through how to control some of these emotions, which it takes a lot of emotional control to learn. And your child will fall apart. You know this, Janie. You're teaching math and they just fall apart emotionally because they don't know how to control themselves to work through a difficulty when those emotions start to rise. That takes a while to learn and some growth because those emotions are so crazy. So we have to grow emotionally and physically and, like I said before, mentally. There are... And we know this, but we forget there's parts of their brain that don't grow until they're through with puberty. Just like we all know if we have boys, most of their brain doesn't grow until they're in their late 20s. (laughs) But middle school is really huge. I can use an example of this. My firstborn son, the one I made all the mistakes with because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, When he was in middle school, he got through math really fast. He was just gifted in math. He could understand it. He knew the answer without doing the problem. Just everything having to do with numbers and patterns was intuitive to him. But when he got to, so he finished pre-algebra early and I think he was in seventh grade. He started algebra one, which happens for so many kids. So many kids go quickly through elementary math and even pre-algebra and they get it because they just get it. But again, they haven't developed mentally for abstract math. So he gets into algebra one and suddenly he tanks 
he can't do it. He's frustrated. His grades are horrible. It doesn't make sense. We sit at the table and we're trying to do the problem together. And I'm like, okay, just write down three X. Why? Write down three X. I don't understand, mom. I don't care. Just write three X down on your paper. (laughs) So it didn't go very well because, again, I didn't know how to teach very patiently when we were working on math. So it was going very slowly. And I did have the good sense to practice what I preach and say, do you know what? It's okay if he takes a while because he's only in seventh grade. We don't have to finish algebra until high school. So this is not a big deal. But literally one day he woke up, came downstairs and said, mom, I just got an idea. I think I understand it. And he opened up his math book and he did his algebra and he was so excited. He was jumping around the house saying, I get it. I understand it. And most children are not that dramatic. It doesn't usually happen overnight like that. That's kind of weird. But it was a lesson for me. He wasn't ready. He hadn't grown enough. He didn't have the comprehension. So now that I've learned from that mistake, I don't make that mistake, hopefully, with my kids in pre-algebra. I actually make them continue doing pre-algebra over and over again in middle school until their high school or their almost high school age, because I want to make sure they're getting literal math. They're understanding what math actually means in the real world because concrete facts is what works in their brain right now. And when before they go through puberty and early puberty, it's all about concrete, yes or no, black and white. So if they get that firm foundation and confidence in how math really works in the real world, then when their brain finally develops a little bit of abstract reasoning, they can start to apply this in algebra and realize, oh, yes, 3x, that's three times something. I've done that lots of times in my life. I kind of understand what this is saying. So, again, this is something that wasn't true when I was homeschooled. It was something a lot of parents didn't understand. My parents didn't understand, and I went through math very quickly, but I didn't understand it. I never understood it because I did it just by rules. I learned it like a game. This is how you play a game. I had no clue what I was doing. So after, (laughs) literally, after my oldest son went through a few years of higher math, actually when he was in calculus, and I took calculus and college statistics no clue what I was doing. I just followed the directions, got A's, was glad I got through it. But he stood in the kitchen one day and and explained um, calculus to me. I'd done it before. I had no idea what it was even about. So he stood there and actually explained to me what it meant in the real world and what I was trying to do. And that's the kind of education we as homeschoolers want. We want our children to actually understand what they're doing and to be able to apply their knowledge. Maybe we don't care about calculus, but apply their knowledge of history, of literature, of critical thinking, of grammar and communication. We want them to apply that to their real lives. That is what high school is about. 
middle school is about finishing up that foundation so when they are physically and mentally ready, then they can start to do that. That's why middle school is so important. And I really encourage parents spend a long time on it, not just two years, spend three, four, even more if you need to make sure you've really gotten through this. Yeah, finding what's finding what their child needs and customizing mm-hmm. the education to fit their unique needs. Oh, that's, that's exactly. the whole reason. That's our whole premise for homeschooling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I love how you, I, you know, I was a previous educator. I actually still teach um, college students <laughs> education courses. I actually have a course mm-hmm. tonight I'm teaching um, on child growth and development. And so as you're speaking, I'm putting these theories together with what, yeah, okay, this Piaget's ages and stages right there. <laughs> Yeah, it really is true. It is. And so that a whole idea of the concrete and the abstract, and it's right there, you know, for every child, it's different. But that general mm-hmm. age band is around middle school when they start to begin to develop the ability to think abstractly. And just Absolutely. being able to let everything go that's customary you know or traditional or expected in and just focus on the needs of our children that that is an absolute privilege and I'm thankful we can do that instead of concentrating then on a list of academics for this time or even more instead of looking at okay I need to do math six, then math seven, then math eight, or grammar six, then grammar seven, then grammar eight. Instead of just moving through the curriculum as the numbers tell us, it is more important then for us to realize what developmentally does my child really need, even if that means sticking with one year's curriculum for a while or doing one book for a really long time and skipping the next one and going on to the one after that, whatever our child needs to get through it. But we need to be teaching our children the steps to learning independently because they're going to need that in high school. They need to be able to, to a certain extent, at least be able to teach themselves. They need to be able to read a math lesson and apply it. They need to be able to read grammar rules and then apply it. They need to be able to comprehend their history lesson and then be able to communicate back what it was they learned. This is all the foundation of high school learning, but it's not going to be intuitively obvious to most children. They need to be taught it. So during this mental growth time is when they can start learning to learn independently They can start to learn on test-taking skills. I don't test in elementary. I mean, I did when my kids were little and I didn't know any better. But now I don't because the whole purpose of test-taking is to ascertain what your child knows. And if you're homeschooling them, you know what they know and you know what you need to work on and it's not a big deal, right? But when they're in high school, you might want to use tests to document your child's progress and to be able to put those grades on your all-important transcript if your child is going off to college. So in middle school, you don't usually know whether or not you're going to need that transcript. So you're going to want to prepare your child for how to take a test. And that's a really good time to practice failing a few tests when it doesn't really matter because you don't have to report those grades anyway, probably in most states. But um, 
that's a good time for them to practice how to study, how to take notes, how to see from a book what is the most important thing to learn, what they don't really have to pay attention to, which is always the most fun thing to learn about studying. So they can work on that. They work on their independence and they work on that maturity. There are things besides their mental understanding, there are topics that they're going to discuss in depth in high school that a 12-year-old doesn't have the maturity to be able to handle it. They're going to talk about human growth and development in detail in high school. And a 12-year-old's just going to laugh all the way through it or get super embarrassed and not understand because he hasn't worked through some of that physically himself. And they're going to discuss huge weighty things in history and literature. They need to be able to talk about they need to be talk about be able to um, talk about race relations. They need to be able to talk about war and peace and leadership and things that are really weighty subjects that we as adults even this is not content that's appropriate for a child who hasn't matured at all. It's like we have to deal with almost rated R content with our kids. So we need to be able to make sure that they've grown, matured a little bit enough for us to be able to present this material and for them to be able to understand and apply our values to it. No matter what our religious or value background is, it's important for all of us as parents to be able to give this lens to our children, to help them understand opposing viewpoints but also to understand the difference between right and wrong. And that takes so much maturity. So allowing our children to learn some study skills and some thinking skills for a while before they have the maturity to really get into these deep subjects. That's another really important part of middle school. Yeah, absolutely. I know with my own children, um, they tended to hit, huge growth spurts during middle school. And so on top of the emotional growth, the, the emotional maturity, their thinking maturing, um, they're dealing with this huge amount of physical growth. And sometimes it's painful, you know, as their growth yeah. inches. And yeah, that was a and that physical those physical changes, like we talked about with their emotions when they're dealing with difficult subject matter, the physical changes they're going through affect their daily lives. If we feel well as adults, it's hard for us to concentrate and do our best work. They don't feel really awesome when they're going through growth spurts. Like you said, it's physically painful. When a girl is having her first couple years of cycles it's painful and very disconcerting and and distracting. Sometimes it's just on their minds a lot and they're having troubles concentrating due to that. And just the hormones, we think about girls going through all these hormonal ups and downs as their cycles are starting to regulate. But my boys were more hormonal than my girls Oh my word, it was horrible, the ups and downs of their moods every day and every week. So how they need, like you said, the physical changes are so big and it's just so helpful to get through that before we have to get into really hard work. They're just not ready to work hard. It's physically demanding to sit at a table and concentrate 
for a couple of hours. It's physically demanding for so many children. It's physically demanding to sit still. So it's very, if we understand, if we can have compassion for the physical and emotional states of our children, that can really make this a sweet time. This is a time when we as parents can be sensitive and show love and self-sacrifice to our children. And that's, that's part of homeschooling is building this relationship with our child, with our preteen. So being able to show them compassion and help through these physical changes. This is a really important part of homeschooling more so than the academic progress we might get distracted by. Yeah, I think that's the largest part of the preparing them for high school. You know, helping them to acclimate to the changes in their body and their minds and their emotions. You know, another aspect that I thought about when you were when you were speaking, um, it's very common in our family uh, to have hypoglycemia. And so that whole, it's just a, and we've made a joke out of it because we deal with it every day, but just being hangry, <laughs> you know, yes. I just need a snack. And then, you know, I give the kids a snack and then they're fine. But yes. knowing what your body needs to function properly and being prepared to do that. I mean, obviously in high school, and then if you, if they go to college, they're going to be responsible to take snacks or whatever they might need to class to make sure that they can make it through that drop in their blood sugar or whatever happens so that they can focus and concentrate. So all of these things are huge learning milestones really in their lives that they're, they're, they're actually (laughs) using to uh, stepping stones to become that adult one day. And I love putting it. My youngest two are my nine-year-old twins were adopted from foster care and they actually grew up alone for many years and my son went through food deprivation and um an an unfortunate part of that besides the sad fact that he was hungry was that it actually changes since um the child the baby the toddler and the preschooler is growing so fast and developing really important connections in their brain. It changes a part of their brain that regulates hunger and their attitude toward food. So he is constantly desperate for food. He thinks he has to eat all the time. He wants to eat huge portions. He's always going to say, I'm hungry, even if he just ate. So like you said, being able to regulate that, I can teach him healthy eating habits give him that reassurance with regular snacks and meals that he is getting his needs met and also teaching him this is the proper amount to eat. This is how we have a healthy meal and stand back and say, okay, I'm satisfied. So we're able to do that. And like you said, this is true for the um, physical growth of so many of our children. If they have special needs and they need that reassurance, I had a son who just, like I was saying before, physically can't sit still for a long periods of time. And if he were in an institution, this would cause so many behavioral problems and so many academic problems, but he's at home. I can give him his assignments and say, okay, I need this done. 
I didn't even give him day by day. I said by week, by the end of Friday, you need to have this much done. So I will watch him work. He'll work for 15 minutes and then run off. He's at the neighbor's house or he's fixing the lawnmower or he's playing with the ice maker. He's doing something else and then he's coming back and then he's running away and doing something else and coming back and he's getting good grades. He's remembering what he's learning. He's really comprehending his subjects because again, um, his physical need for movement is being met. His brain isn't worried about, isn't concentrating on sit still, sit still, sit still, sit still, so that he can't think about anything else. Instead, he's getting those needs met. Children who need more sleep than others. I have a daughter who just has a huge sleep need, which I do too, so I completely understand. But she sometimes, she goes to bed at 8 o'clock. Sometimes she sleeps until 8 or 9. That's when she naturally wakes up. She can do her studies whenever she wakes up. I don't have to tell her, okay, you have to get up at seven o'clock when everyone else does so that you can start your grammar at the table at eight o'clock. No, she'll start when she gets ready at nine or 10 o'clock because she's getting her physical needs met first or she's being forced to do other things. So no matter where our child is physically or what their unique needs are, as homeschoolers, we can meet those. And again, like you were saying, in middle school, this is important for us to teach them how to meet their own physical needs. Because when they're in high school, they're going to need to have some of this under control so that they can, again, meet their academic needs to a bigger amount. And they're going to need these lessons for the rest of their lives. While they're growing in middle school is the perfect time to be able to teach them how to meet their activity needs, their sleep needs, their eating needs for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. So with your middle schoolers, do you also try to encourage them to start planning their own academic weeks? Um, Yes and no. It depends on the child because like we said, everyone is so different in their maturity and in their academic motivation. I have two children who are just motivated to learn. They love school. They love books. They love learning. They love showing off their knowledge. They want to do their schoolwork because in their words, I don't want to be stupid. (laughs) That's what they tell their siblings who don't like studies. There's two boys that are bright. They're good learners. If you make them sit down, they will learn the material, but they're not good at regulating their time. They're not going to make a priority to get their work done. So in middle school, I did still need to micromanage their time. They didn't have that maturity. But by the time they were in high school, then they were able to sit down with me to a certain extent. I would say, okay, you need to take, you need to take science this year. Do you want to take biology or chemistry first? Or by the time they were in 10th or 11th grade, say, okay, you need to take physics. Do you want this book or that book? Which one looks more interesting to you? So to a certain extent, they could get involved. Whereas my more motivated children, yes, they set their own schedules. They do There are schoolwork on their own timetable and it goes up, you know, some weeks they'll do a ton, some weeks they'll be resting more, but they get done really fast with their work overall and they're doing really well. 
And then I had a daughter who planned out, she just wanted to, she planned out her whole high school schedule, what she was going to take, what curriculum she was going to use and finished all of her, her schoolwork in about about five to seven months every year. So she knew what she wanted to do. So middle school is a good time for us as parents to ascertain again, what is the maturity level of our child and how much responsibility can he take? And then when I find where he's at, where can I help him take just one more step? If he can just do his work, if I give him, okay, you have to sit here for two hours and you can do your work in whatever order you want to, then can I move him up to, okay, you have to finish before supper, but you can decide when you want to do it and work on that stage for a little while. And then can I move him up to, okay, I'll give you your assignments for a week and you have to have it done by Friday if you want to have fun with your friends on the weekend. So we can just take those baby steps to gradually teach them more and more responsibility throughout middle school. Yep, absolutely. And that was kind of the the answer that I was looking for. That's what I do as well in our homeschool. So right now I have an eighth grader and I'm kind of in that um, helping her plan out and teaching her how to use a planner even, you know, and how to take what she does need to accomplish in the course of a week and break that down into what she should, you know, do here and there and giving her that prerogative as to what she wants to do today or does she want to work more on Wednesday than she does on Thursday and so yeah it's it's a process a building process and a growing process even with the academics and owning that and becoming responsible for that themselves yeah yeah because that's going to be a really good help when they get into high school a lot of students don't learn these concepts, these disciplines until they're later in high school. But if our students begin practicing in middle school and then perfecting the first year or so of high school, these planning and discipline strategies, they can really take off once they start working. By the time they're 15 or 16 and they want to get their own job, well, then they can work whatever schedule they want to if they're responsible getting their schoolwork done in a timely manner. So my children enjoyed working during the day when they were in high school. There's so much competition for teen jobs in the evenings. (laughs) So they had a leg up if they could work during the day. But then that meant they had to pull on those lessons they learned in middle school about how to be responsible for their learning, how to learn around a schedule, how to have things done in a timely manner. Absolutely. So do you ever do anything like um, apprenticeships or job exploration with them when they're in middle school just to see if they have any emerging passions or things that they might want to pursue? Uh, Two of my, no, three of my children in middle school did soccer refereeing because you can usually get a soccer referee job very young if you get licensed. So that's something all parents can look at in their soccer rec program in their community. That's usually something they'll help them get to do that. So that was a way that they could um, get some job experience and get experience learning from someone outside the home 
They had experience in learning what to do with money that they earned. They had experience in following someone else's guidelines, obeying a boss, making sure that they were there early and thorough in what they did, things like that. So um, babysitting, doing chores for um, neighbors for money, um, that really helped my students to be able to learn work ethic. They usually can't really get into their own particular field of what they want to do until they're in high school or later in high school because it takes, again, employers and, and apprenticeships, they usually want a little bit more maturity and physical development before they take them on. But I think a really important lesson we can teach our preteens is work ethic. I think the two most important values in our homeschooling is work ethic and love your family. Work hard, love your family. Those are things. So work hard is something we can really teach in middle school by getting them, you know, um, one of my children worked for the next door neighbor, raking leaves and picking up dog poop. That was his job, but he had to do a good job. And if he, if he didn't do a good job, then the neighbor would come knock on the door to tell me, and I'd be like, wait a minute, you're talking to the wrong person. And then you push the child out the door and say, your boss is not happy with you. You have to figure out how to fix this relationship. So um, letting them take even these small menial jobs, but they have to learn responsibility. They need to learn work ethic. They need to learn how to please someone else. Um, I think those are some of the most important lessons they can learn as preteens. Yes, absolutely. And I know I've heard so many different employers complain that a lot of high school students and even college graduates don't have some of those soft skills that you were just talking about, just knowing how to answer to an employer, how to take the responsibility for things that they may have done wrong and just going and fixing them. So often uh, a lot of these young adults just will be told, oh, this is wrong. You shouldn't have done it this way. And they want to argue about it instead of just, you know, just fix it. <laughs> so I think what they do so important, or they just don't work hard enough. They don't realize that it's your job to go above and beyond your employer's expectation. And that's what it takes to get and keep a job. That is a real problem. And that's something they can learn when they're young. And again, it's going to give them a leg up later. I, from my opinion and from experience with my young people as they move into the workforce, um, they can learn anything that they need to on the job. Their employer, especially if we've given them this background in how to learn and how to think independently, they can learn what the job is and the details. What they can't learn on the job is work ethic. And that's what we need to be training them, like you said, early on, because that's what will set them apart. If you work hard, even if you're not talented, but you work harder than the person standing next to you, you're going to be the one that succeeds. You're going to be the one that your boss appreciates the most. Absolutely. And I just want to share this story. I'm, I have um, actually my set of twins. One of them is a girl. One of them, one of them is a boy. And when he was 14, he really wanted to, to be a part of an apprenticeship. We were all so nervous about it because of course, 14 is still pretty young. You know, that's, I think he was about to go into ninth grade 
And uh, we were just all kind of biting our nails, you know, is this going to work out? Is he going to, is he going to get in this position and his new employer be like, what kind of kid is this? What have I done? Anyway, I just want to say that it was, I, I put a lot of these principles that you've talked about today into practice in middle school for him. And it was, it actually, he is still working at this particular job. He's going to school, um, to, to tech school. Uh, but the, just to back up a little bit, the job was with a body shop. Uh, so he's been working on, um, fixing and painting vehicles now for five years. <laughs> and he's gone on to tech school to learn more about that trade and to move into understanding, um, engines and, you know, being able to be a mechanic and kind of understand the whole aspect of cars and vehicles and all that. But that just teaching him those skills that you talked about just a moment ago, served him so well. And his, his boss has, I mean, he, he's doing everything in his power to not lose my son when he graduates. <laughs> so it's, just, it's been a blessing and we're so thankful for that opportunity and, you know, just the experience that he's had through that. Those are really important lessons. My daughter, um, you were, you were saying he has five years of experience. My daughter um, loves children. So there's not a lot you can do with um, in a school or child care environment when you're really young, but you can always volunteer at church. So she volunteered in a Wednesday night class and then quickly got to be the teacher in the class because she was really passionate about that. And again, if you work hard at something, then that just means so much in the position. So she got to be the teacher for a while and she worked with children in church for a long time. And then she, um, she got a job at a dry cleaners, which seems like it's really out of her field, but she learned how to be again, responsible, how to be meticulous because she had to be careful. She didn't lose one single item of clothing. She had to be meticulous with the money at the same time. She had to learn who the customers were because In our area, they expect you to recognize them when they walk through the door. And that's a lot of customers. So she learned people skills. She learned how to solve problems with irate customers. She learned a lot of of, um, just really good work things. So then she took that um, when she was about 16 then into starting her own teaching business. And she tutored children and taught them piano lessons. And she did really well because, again, she she was able – um, to teach, do what she loved and she had experience doing with children, but she had the business background to be able to set a fair price, to be able to make sure she got paid and on time, which is hard for a teenager to be able to stand up and make sure they got paid. But she was able to politely manage the business side of it. So now when she's in college, when she went to go um, get a job working with children to help put herself through school, she, she is studying early childhood education. And she said, I really want to continue to build my resume. Well, she, she starts to apply to um, tutoring and after school care and, and other jobs with children after school. And suddenly she had several job offers because she was an 18 year old with several years of experience 
So she was a good age for them to start with. They knew if she's working her way through college, they have a guaranteed four to six years with the same employee. And she already had the, the experience dealing with the public, dealing with parents, dealing with children. So like you said, starting them off right in middle school. So they'll be able to start with their working and building their resume and building their business acumen in high school. But it all starts with that work ethic that they work on in in middle school years while they're growing. Absolutely. Well, I want to wrap this up. I don't want to keep you all day. Do you have any final words of encouragement for our middle school homeschooling parents? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I want to go back to what we talked about at the very beginning. Remember the purpose of middle school is to grow your child and to let him grow at his own rate. So don't be so worried about what book she's in. Don't automatically go to the next level just because that's what the curriculum says to do next. Instead, let's focus on our own child's development. Where is she at physically and emotionally and mentally? And is she really ready for the next step? Tailor her education to her own growth, just like you would if she were a toddler or if she were just learning how to write. Just really make sure you're meeting her needs. Remember that homeschooling is about building our relationship with our child. And that's part of meeting their needs. And homeschooling is about tailoring the education directly to the child. And that's what allowing them to grow in middle school means means. And homeschooling is about developing a love for lifelong learning. As we allow them to grow and develop through these years, that's how we're going to present education as fun and natural part of life, because it'll be a natural part of their own growth and development. I love that. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, if I wasn't homeschooling, I'd want to start homeschooling. (laughs) I would too. It's pretty great, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. So I did want to remind our listeners that if you had any questions that you can always touch base with me or Leanne, Um, you can visit her website and you can comment um, underneath this video as well. And um, I just wanted to remind everybody that We are going to give out a free tool for you today. We have um, an amazing free um, teenager homeschool planner. Now this, like we said today, this is part of the process of teaching them how. So you don't want to just hand it over to them. It just depends on their uh, maturity level and where they're at. But it's a great tool for you. It's a beautiful homeschool planner. It's professionally designed. It's 200 plus pages and it's got a weekly spread. Uh, We wanted to go ahead and give you a free gift today for listening. And um, we're excited about that because we think it's a pretty awesome tool. We also want to remind you that we'll be going through this series, the You Can Homeschool High School series for the next month or so. So it's going to run into April and we want you to make sure you check back every Wednesday at 3 p.m. when these sessions will be streaming and you can ask questions and get answers. We'll be there to help you. So here's to homeschooling with you until next time.